A long and complex investigation is now underway into the fatal police shooting in Queensland's Western Downs and authorities are expected to look closely at the online activities of the attackers in the lead-up to the ambush. Two police officers aged in their 20s were shot dead while they were doing a routine welfare check at an isolated property near Tara. A neighbour was also fatally shot. The offenders, brothers Nathaniel, Gareth and his partner Stacey Train, were later killed by police and now there are reports, one of them at least, harboured extreme views and beliefs in conspiracy theories. Dr Matteo Vagani is a senior lecturer in sociology at Deakin University and a member of the Centre for Resilience and Inclusive Societies. Matteo, welcome to RN Drive. Thank you, Catherine. Matteo, we may perhaps never know the motives of these attackers, but with what has been reported over the last 24 hours in regards to the online comments and search history, what red flags are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, uh, anti-vaccination sentiments, um, you know, the, the belief that high-profile shootings like the 4th Arthur massacre was a hoax, anti-government beliefs, all speak of a new threat environment. They're all red flags that of a new form of, we can call it fluid extremism, extremism which is more diffused and harder to, to prevent, where individuals are broadly inspired by online conspiracies and hatred. However, I have to say that we are still waiting to hear from authorities about the real motives and about more details about the investigation. So it's really hard to, uh, you know, be sure about what were the motives behind the shooting. Of course, this fluid extremism that you spoke of there, what's its, its presence, if at all, here in Australia? Um, look, it's certainly a, a global phenomenon. So um, COVID was a trigger in Australia and globally, and the catalyst of conspiratorial thinking fueled by a range of real or imagined grievances. So real ones could be isolation, you know, unemployment, and of course the imagined one are bizarre conspiracies and misinformation. But there is a global trend as well um, that we are observing in terms of the declining trust in democratic institutions. And here we see also the role of foreign powers like Russia uh, and other countries involved in massive disinformation campaigns, which contribute to the loss of credibility of democracies. So this brings, you know, an environment in which there, in which there is a polarization mm. of identities and ideologies around cultural and ideological battles. Mm. Well, the Centre for Resilient and Inclusive Societies made a submission last year to the Parliamentary Joint Committee inquiry into extremist movements and radicalism in Australia. It said that, quote, very public displays of strength by far-right militia in the US, UK and Europe, as well as the Christchurch attack, had emboldened elements within Australia. How concerned should we be about the possibility of other individuals or groups for that matter, with the same violent intent in our community? And look, we should be very concerned, of course, because we are seeing 
this type of extremism emerging. The main reason, in my opinion, that we're not seeing the same rate or proportion of uh, violent attacks is that there are less guns than in the U.S., for example. Mm. So keeping an eye on the circulation of firearms is of vital importance. And also, look broadly, the, the, the community of practice, security practitioners, and academics are moving from the idea of focusing prevention programs only around ideologically motivated extremism, but we are starting to talk about targeted violence. So a different uh, framing to understand this new type of fluid ideologies where perhaps mental health problems mm. played a role as well, and we needed to address many of the drivers of this type of violence mm. in, in prevention and mitigation programs. Matteo, the report also said that radicalisation to violence is generally a gradual process taking place over many months or even years. I mean, is that process, would you say that's right still, that, that timing, or is that process likely to be hastened by, say, personal experience of victimhood, um, such as being excluded or disenfranchised from a society? Yeah, look, radicalization process is complex. So we know that it's usually a combination of factors which include personal factors like, for example, mental health issues or a certain personality and psychological predisposition, uh, push factors such as isolation or maybe unemployment, and then pull factors which are the social and cultural environment where ideologies and ideas are shared and normalized. So sometimes the perfect storm of all these factors happen, but the complexity of it is that, especially in recent times, we have seen uh, you know, very quick radicalization processes. So we are not anymore witnessing you know, more gradual uh, radicalization, but sometimes a sudden ones. Dr Matteo Vagani is here talking about extremist elements in Australia. On RN Drive, you're with Catherine Robinson. Matteo, during the pandemic, as we know, there was an exodus of people from the cities to the regions, some taking the opportunity for a change of lifestyle reasons. Others were escaping lockdowns and what they perceived to be heavy-handedness of government and authority. Do we know where those people went, how they're living now, and have some gone completely off the grid? This is a great question. Certainly, if you combine, we were talking about the perfect storm of factors that can trigger um, extremist violence. Well, certainly, um, this is mental health, for example, if untreated, if uh, left growing in, in, in isolation, for example, which in rural life can sometimes happen uh, that can generate really uh, problems. If you combine this with um, an immersive experience in online forums where uh, violent ideas are normalized, that can be really concerning. And we have seen that pattern in the past. For example, for the case of the Christchurch terrorists, mm. we have seen a person with an isolated social life living alone in real life, but really having these immersive sessions in online forums 
where his ideas were basically legitimised. You've spoken a lot about uh, the impact of COVID isolation as well as vaccines and those who believe in them or, or those who don't. And we know that that has had the capacity to split communities um, and there has been residual resentment amongst some people who perhaps did not agree with the vaccinations. Do you think more should be done in society by bridging that divide between um, healthy community connections? Absolutely. Look, bridging gaps and building new trust between isolated groups in the community is the only way forward. Because really, when uh, certain groups feel alienated and they feel isolated, the only potential outcome of it, if they are left alone and if society does not reach out, the only potential outcome is radically further radicalization down the track, which again does not mean necessarily that they will translate their extremist ideas into violence, not always, mm. but still that can you know, create problems for the social fabric of Australia and, and globally every country. So we certainly need to reach out and be able to talk to these people. Mm and to talk to each other, really, mm. this is what we Dr Matteo Vigani is a senior lecturer in sociology and a member of the Centre for Resilient and Inclusive Societies at Deakin University. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Catherine. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations, live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.